The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George, sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I am a now a 33-year real estate agent who helps people buy, sell, and build homes in the central Ohio area. Today, I have a special guest for two purposes, actually. One is that uh, he's going to be coming into a role where he's going to be in a leadership role for my industry. And the other is he is he specializes in commercial real estate. And needless to say, we have a lot going on here in the Columbus area. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about two different things. Um, he is going to be the incoming president of the Columbus Board of Realtors. And I'm going to ask him a little bit about its purpose as well as um, for us agents. I don't know how he's going to represent the zoo of 10,000 agents or so. Um, but also what uh, the Columbus Board does for the public as well, how we educate people and how we just help people out. Um, before I bring my guest on, though, I do want to talk about what's going on in the local real estate market. Um, I had an interesting situation last week. Um, last week after, after, actually after the show, I had two back-to-back appointments. And both were potential listings from owners who had lived in their houses for many, many, many years. Um, one lady, she's a widower. Uh, she's been living in the house since she built it in the 1950s. So you can imagine um, her and or she had a son and daughter there as well. And they were just going through that whole scenario of getting her used to the idea. She's already living with her daughter, but, uh, you know, her husband passed away a few years ago and he had some interesting hobbies. Uh, he liked to fix radios and things. So he had a bunch of, a lot, a lot of memories in the house. Um, his legacy was all of that as well as he was very hands-on. He was actually an engineer for IBM. So he had that kind of mentality where he can work on things and putz around things. But anyway, the house is filled with, you know, a lot of his hobbies and memories and things. And I was sitting there listening to the stories and I can just sit there all day and listen to those kind of things. Um, you know, the kids are, you know, kind of reliving it too, because they brought up a family of four in a house that was, geez, I think it was about 1500 square feet and by today's, means it was a little small, uh, but they had great uh, memories of it. And it was very personalized. Uh, when I say personalized, I mean um, things were in perfect shape, but they were as they were 20, 30 years ago. And I run into that a lot. So the situation is going to be that it's going to take a while for her to get used to and the kids to get used to actually having to dispose of the house. They know they don't need it. They can't handle it anymore. Uh, the house sits on, gosh, three-quarters of an acre, and it's all yards, so somebody has to take care of the yard. You know, they were just talking about all the leaves that they got to take care of. Um, the other situation right after that was another lady who, another widower, and I met her and her son there, and um, she was in the mode of, okay, what do we need to do to get rid of this thing? Uh, <laughs> it was very unemotional for her. And I didn't have to be quite as 
empathetic, I guess, to say with her because she just had a need. She is going to be living with her son within walking distance of that. And, you know, the burden kind of fall on him. Um, he and his kids are having to figure out what to do with, again, just a lot of stuff that's there. Um, if you are in that situation where you are dealing with a parent, um, it may be one of those things where you need an agent or somebody to talk to that can play both sides. And when I say play both sides, I mean, sometimes it's just listen and sometimes it's just need. Um, my, one of the nice things about me being at my age, I guess to say is that I have seen all these scenarios and I can almost tell when I walk in and the spouse is almost in tears because they got to get rid of their house. You handle that a lot differently than the one that says, okay, do we need a dumpster or what do we need to do? Um, and again, I can help out with both of those. And I think that's where it's important where us as agents, sometimes we come in with a mentality of we're a salesperson. We need to go in and show them all the comparables. We need to show them what we need to do to get the house ready. Um, sometimes we just need to listen and that's all they need. Um, and that's where, again, I think it helps a little bit that somebody's been around the block, so to speak. So, you know, I had two very different scenarios. Uh, they both have the same goal of getting rid of the house. One I actually listed today. I signed the paperwork. The other one's going to take probably another six months, uh, not necessarily to get rid of the stuff, but to get it through their mind that uh, it's time to do so. So wherever you are, um, I try to be sensitive as well as anybody else. We try to be sensitive as to what's going on in the life, not just, uh, you know, the comparable sales, the price per square foot, the, hey, you need to paint that wall, that type of thing. Um, you know, one of the other things is, okay, I've got all these people coming through my house. They are not used to having people coming through their house, and both of them weren't. So, you know, again, we have to walk them through the scenario of, if somebody wants to see your house, here's how we go through with it. You know, I call you. Um, they don't know whether they should be there or not be there. Um, and again, one of them's living there. The other one's not. But they are afraid that who's going to turn on the lights, who's going to do those kind of things. So, again, all of this is the idea of just trying to be sensitive to the situation. Um, and again, in my experience, you know, one of the things I do, I've been volunteering with, uh, I guess, older people for the last 25 years um, at a facility. And that has helped me tremendously see that there's two sides to every story. So I just want you to be aware that most agents are aware of that. Some are not. Um, so I just want to let you know that every situation is different. And that's kind of what's going on right now. People need to dispose of their house right now. They have it for a reason. It's not because they want to get into the school district or something like that. Um, but again, we got to be sensitive to it. So as I always say, this show actually turns into a podcast as soon as we get done. Um, and the way to find that is if you have an Apple phone, you have one of those purple icons in there that says podcast. Look up the Paul George Real Estate Show and try to subscribe to that. Um, you can also get on Spotify, um, you know, the radio show here, 98.9 FM, The Answer, they have their own web page, and with that, uh, they have the Paul George Show on there. Look that up and download the show. 
and we'll be right back and I'll introduce my guest. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. And remember, if you get a chance, look us up on Facebook and give us a like there. Um, if you go to Facebook at Paul George Group and find me um, there, um, you can go on my website at halfthebeatles.com. Um, you know, that has links to about everything that I do, not necessarily my listings, but as well as this podcast and, uh, some of the informational things that I always put out. Um, I just wanted to get to my guest right away. My guest today is Scott Rabcheck. Scott is with Howard Hanna, Hanna commercial uh, division, but he is also the incoming president of the Columbus board of realtors. Um, Scott, go ahead and. Say hi to everybody and kind of introduce yourself a little bit, and I'm going to grill you with a couple of questions and sure, sure. start from there. Well, Paul, thanks for having me. It's great, <laughs> uh, great to be here. We've known each other for a long time, and we were just talking about uh, you getting started in this, uh, I guess, in this uh, uh, effort, and it's uh, it's really cool. Well, um, it, it's funny because I started putting this down. I said, before I ever got into real estate, my family was in the grocery business, and this was one of our last stores. We had a grocery store in downtown Worthington mm-hmm. and it was called the home market. Um, there's a lot of people that if they still live in Worthington, they're going to remember that because it was in my family for a little bit, but it was also in another family for over 50 years. It was kind of an icon of what was downtown Worthington at one time. But when I, we had that store, one of the things that uh, we did, I participated in a leadership Worthington program. And that's where I met Scott. And I think Scott was a resident there at one that time, but that was, that's over that was, like 35 years yeah, that ago. That was a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. That was a couple of years and ago. Look at us now. We've got gray hair and we've got grown kids right. and we've got right. all kinds of fun grown things. Kids so, and grandkids and grandkids. Uh, you got grandkids? I do. Oh my I got goodness. I got yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. since then though, tell me what you've been doing since sure. you weren't in real estate at that time, were you? No, I wasn't. I, so I started, uh, you know, my career, I guess in real estate, I became licensed in January of 1989. So I got to rewind a little bit. Um, I worked for a company that at the time was called the Lieber Corporation. And many of your listeners may or, or may not know them, but they were located directly across the street from uh, Worthington Industries in Worthington and uh, met my future wife there. And we kind of, you know, to your point, we landed in Worthington and lived there for a number of years. But I was a Westerville kid, kind of grew up in Westerville. So 
um, when we when we were looking for kind of the the second house, we'll call it. Uh, there were many kids in our neighborhood, but I knew some of the the areas in Westerville. So ultimately, we ended up moving over there. But uh, really enjoyed Worthington and, and enjoyed being there. It was fun getting a chance to meet you and kind of the stuff we did way back in the day. I guess you just fun. never know how things are going to come around. You sometimes. just don't know, do so, you? Yeah. So one of the things that one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because you are the incoming president of the Columbus Board of Realtors, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people <clears throat> think of Columbus Board and they think of only residential, but it's all encompassing. Um, what I wanted to ask you, and you're going to get started with it. You you start next month? I do. Well, in I start in January. Actually, January. January yeah, 1. the inaugural will be in January. And okay. that's be a calendar year. Do you have a vision for what you hope to see at the Columbus Board? Um, tell me what you yeah. think that it's going to look like Yeah, starting I, now and compared to the end of the year. I, I think that it's um, it's interesting. I mean, I think the important thing for Anybody who leads uh, the Columbus Realtors Association is actually what it is now is um, to try to make sure that you're articulating the importance of the brand, the realtor brand, and and what realtors do in uh, the, I guess, the real estate industry. And to your point, we are not just residential realtors. We're commercial realtors, right? We have uh, people that are involved in both sides of the ledger, as I like to call it. Um, I've spent my entire career, you know, on the commercial real estate side. I sold one home back in 1990 <laughs> and it was the first time and the last time I said, I, that's, that it wasn't meant for me. Um, but you, you know, you find yourself, I think, um, you know, spending your time working hard to promote the brand and what realtors bring to the residential and commercial real estate industry, uh, in the way of professionalism, in the way of advocacy, uh, promoting property rights, personal property rights. Um, and in the reality, at the end of the day, trying to help our, our clients reach their, their real estate goals. One of the challenges, you know, I mentioned that we were in the grocery business and I'd see the same people every day. And when you're buying a commercial property or buying a house, it's something that you may run into four or five times out of your lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of at the time where, you're actually working with somebody, they're very interested in it. But after that, you don't think about it again. So the fact that you're talking about promoting the brand and things like that, I think we need to get on the top of mind because it does go through, you know, now I'm going through generations of people, meaning that I've sold somebody a house, now I'm selling their kids a house, and now I'm selling grandkids a house, um, those kind of things. So I think it's important that I like what I'm hearing, I guess, to say is that Yes, let's get it on people's radar for good purposes, not for purposes that, you know, it's a one-time, one, you know, we're done with you. I don't need you anymore, sure, sure. Um, especially now because we're going into a challenging time with uh, housing and things like that. And speaking of that, what do you see in our local area as some of the biggest challenges in residential real estate? I'm going to ask you about both residential and commercial, but what is current, what is most uh, challenging at this moment? Uh, as compared to, you know, like I said, 30 years ago, it was one thing. 10 years ago, it was another thing. Sure. Right now, what do you sure. think it is? You know, it's, um, and, and that's a very good question. I think that, um, you know, I'm not a residential expert by any means. I know enough to be dangerous, right? I think just by osmosis, kind of you by will being be, here. Yeah. yeah, by being here. <laughs> but I, I rely on my colleagues. I rely on Paul. I rely on on folks just like you to be able to ask questions that give me a better idea 
of what you are facing on a day-to-day basis. And just like, uh, you know, you may rely on me when it comes to a commercial question. You'll say, hey, what about, you know, this particular part of the commercial real estate industry, what's happening? So, um, you know, I think really to, to answer your question, and I, I think it's very evident, inventory is incredibly low. You know, we have maybe one, one and a half months worth of inventory that is available at any given time in the marketplace on the residential side. And in a healthy market, it might be four or five months worth of inventory. I've been told, and, and I see those numbers. I see those those statistics. Um, you know, it it's that's not a problem that's going to be solved very quickly or very easily. It's going to take time. And I think the reality of of inventory uh, changing, um, you know, there's a lot of 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 things that that have to happen to kind of bring about the type of inventory that we think we all need. Right. One of the challenges that I think, you know, you just sort of made mention to the generational moves, you know, the average first time home buyer, as I understand it from some of the information I've been provided now is moving toward maybe 35 years of age, if you can imagine. Right. And if that's really the case, what they're also stating is, is that the, let's call it the the generational sale or the, the second home that I may sell and move up into, um, the generation that's making that move might be 58 years of age on average. So what you run into is, is you run into people staying in their homes much, much longer. That inventory is not turning over. And, and the reality is, is those first-time home buyers that are trying to get into new homes, well, the reality is they've only got a couple places to go. Maybe that is a new build or the one chance in maybe a few in a particular neighborhood that they want to be in for somebody who is moving up maybe. And it's, it's just a huge challenge. And, and again, I don't think that's going away. Um, you know, I always used to tell people when somebody had a kid, I said, buy them a house because one of the, I know, I think the statistic is that if somebody owns a home, they are 40% wealthier than somebody who rents and if that gets delayed from, like you say, up to 35, that doesn't start that wealth building until you're 35 and you're missing out on some more years of appreciation and things like that. So um, I s- certainly hear what you're saying. And I know, I think it was a couple months ago, and I don't know if you were involved in this or not, but the National Association of Realtors actually had a sympo- symposium here in New Albany. They had a bunch of people meeting and they were talking about workforce housing because the Intel project and all these people are coming to work here, where are you going to put them? And again, that's kind of a subset of what we're talking about here. And I don't know if they came up with any answers. That's the thing. Um, You know, being a commercial, I know one of the challenges you have is zoning and um, you know, I don't know if you're dealing with raw land or you're dealing with buildings or all the above. Um, I know Columbus itself, um, is trying to change some of the zoning. Um, and I know one of the challenges commercial people have is kind of bridging that gap between generations of farmers who've had farms in their families for years. And all of a sudden we have a need for your land and they don't want to sell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they may not have the choice to sell it because of tax things. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. What do you think is the best way for us as a, an industry to educate the public have this shortage and how they can kind of see it as, Hey, we have a need here. Help us out kind of thing. Yeah. What's the best way we can educate them? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair question. And I, and I, 
I think it's it's for most people in central Ohio, it's very clear that economic development and growth are happening and and in some cases happening kind of at warp speed, right? It's almost hard to get your head around. Um, you know, I was not at that symposium, but I did hear some of the recording mm-hmm. and I, and I do think that, um, you know, with job growth, you know, new industry coming to a sub market or in this case, at least in central Ohio comes great opportunity and great challenge. Um, you know, the opportunity to have some of the companies that are talking about coming to central Ohio, like Intel and, and some of the data centers that are being built and in Jeffersonville, what's happening with Honda and the LG battery plant and so forth. Just incredible, incredible economic development opportunity. But with it, you need housing, right? You, you, you're you, just because you build it doesn't mean they will come yeah. if they don't have anywhere to go. Right. And, you know, we're cu- currently building slightly over half of what we need on an annual basis just to keep pace with the type of development and growth that is anticipated. And, you know, this problem continues to build and it could take a decade for us or more to be able to, to really kind of get beyond it. Um, they're starting to call Columbus kind of the Silicon Midwest, you know, for a number of reasons, right? It, you may or may not have heard that term. And, it, and I think, you know, it, it absolutely is true, but if we can't modernize infrastructure, housing, and really density of housing, at the end of the day, um, we're going to have some challenges. And and ultimately, we want to continue to make this a you know the, the marketplace a place where we want to live and and work and raise our families. Um, you know, I think one of the things that you're kind of leading into a little bit is this idea of. This, this nimbyism, right? You know, not in, not in my my, next question. Not, not in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just was at a discussion at the National Association of Realtors out in uh, Anaheim with a few people around it. And, you know, Redfin did a study. Um, and you're probably familiar with Redfin, but they did a study that said 78% of the people that they polled were in favor of promoting building and more housing and density. But, except, except only thirty-two percent of that same, you know, polling uh, group would be interested in having that building right next door to their home, right? You know, that's it, the definition is, of NIMBY. Absolutely, so. the definition of NIMBYism, and and really the challenge is, is that, you know, it's educating. I think the marketplace to understand that these new developments, whether it's uh, condominiums, ADUs, um, you know, cluster housing, whatever it might be. Uh, they are done in a very responsible way. And the, and the building that is being done actually increases value to most homeowners. I think the idea that, that density is a bad thing is, um, you know, or, or it, it, it can lead into many other things, um, you know, or challenges, um, is just, in my opinion anyway, um, tropes from a past generation. That well, doesn't make sense. And I agree. It doesn't by, make sense. By the way, we're talking with Scott Rapcheck from Howard Hanna Commercial and also the president-elect of the Columbus Board of Realtors. Am I it's a Columbus, right? it's a Columbus, Columbus Realtors Columbus? Association, okay. actually. It used to be the Columbus Board, but then they changed it to the Columbus Realtors Association. So Tell see, how old yeah. I'm getting. Right, I, right. I thought you corrected me earlier on yeah, that. No, so you're good. You're now good. i got to change all my notes and everything no, you're else. Good. So. You're good. So um, with that being said – you're talking about some of these industries and, you know, before we hit the break here, you being a commercial, what are some of the other, you know, we all heard about Intel 
Um, mm-hmm. You just mentioned the Honda plant. What are some of the other industries that are coming here um, that you can think of off the top of your head here? Yeah, I think, um, you know, technology is certainly one, right? So, so data centers like Meta, Google, Facebook, you know, um, all of them are coming to central Ohio because um, we have a, I guess what I would consider a very stable marketplace, a very quiet marketplace. I mean, if you build, yeah, (laughs) well, if you build a data center, think about it for a moment. If you build a data center and the most important thing is protecting the infrastructure, the last place that you would want to put it is in a place where, you know, you may have natural disaster or uh, elements outside of your control that could affect the, you know, the integrity of the data. So they look at the Midwest and they say, well, you know what? There's not a lot that shakes that world. There's no you know? earthquakes here. Correct. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah that yeah. was one of the parameters for yeah. Intel and some of the data exactly. centers. So we have, we have infrastructure that is, that is available. We've got um, an economic development arm that is incredibly engaged from the local and state level, and, it, and it's doing good things. Well, when we come back, I'm going to still pound you a little bit more on the uh, commercial side of it because I am so interested in you know, vacancy rates, some of the conversions that uh, some of the buildings are that's happening, some of the retail, um, mm-hmm. wh- you know, how things are changing, how the, uh, you know, work from home is changing some of that dynamic as well. But uh, we're also going to talk a little bit more about, um, like I said, the Columbus Association of Realtors, as well as maybe how we're viewed on a national scale. You know, you kind of touched on that a little bit. So sure. When we come back, before we come back, um, again, check out my website. It's either pauljorgerealestate.com or halfthebeatles.com. That might be easier to remember. Um, It is interesting because we do have a lot of informational handouts on that, too. We'll see you on the other side. Submit your questions for the show to paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. And again, I'm your host, Paul George, and I'm here today with Scott Rabchak from Howard Hanna Commercial Division and also the new president of the incoming president of the Columbus Realtors Association. Did I get that right? You did get that right. I get that yep. right. Hey, uh, okay, before we get back to the topic, and again, I just scratched the surface on it, um, i kind of like to get to know you and maybe your family a little bit different. Um, like you said, you've been licensed since 89, you said? I did, yeah. So yeah. what was your, how did you come from a newly licensed up to the biggest dog, the president of Duh. the association now? Yeah. What was yeah. your path? Well, I, I, I guess I would say that it, for me, anyway, it started with, um, you know, volunteering. You know, I think one thing that I don't know that people really realize, but realtors are incredible volunteers, not only at the realtor level, but in their communities, whether it's through, you know, school boards or athletics or, you know, volunteering at uh, food drives, all, all just all kinds of crazy things, right? We, we just are so involved in one of the things that I found very early on was the best way to get to know the people that I felt were professional in the industry was to volunteer, right? Volunteer and work with those professionals and understand how they do their business, right? That's the, I, I think you get better by surrounding yourself with people that are successful. So, um, 
I would try to find the most successful people I could and kind of just maybe grab a hold of their bootstraps and follow them around a little bit. And, you know, one thing led to another, but, um, you know, my, in my stage of my career, cause I've been at this, what now 34 or five years, um, is, you know, this is now giving back, you know, the industry has been incredibly good to be, it's been incredibly good to my family. Um, it's afforded me opportunity that, you know, maybe I didn't expect, but at the same time, I think hard work and, you know, perseverance, things, things happen. So, um, I was asked by a uh, past president on the commercial real estate side of the, of the ledger, Andy Mills, Andy Mills, very good friend of mine and, and a fellow commercial practitioner. Um, if I would be interested And at first I said, no, to be honest with you, <laughs> I was like, Andy, I don't know. That's a lot, right? It's, it's a lot. And it is a lot, but it's also, you know, it's one of those things where if, if he felt that I had enough, you know, in the tank to do it. Right. And then he felt like that I was the right guy that, you know what, I needed to, to really think about it. And I did. And I met with him and past president, Michael Jones, and, uh, and agreed that I would do it. So I kind of stepped in line and worked my way through the seats. Well, it seems to run in your family. Isn't your brother the treasurer now for the National Association? He is. Yeah. He's on the path. Well, no, actually it's it's at NAR. (laughs) No, the way it works at NAR, they have, uh, the, the treasurer section of, of NAR is its own silo. Oh, and good. the individual that sits in that seat has a two year appointment. Okay. So he's, he, he has been the treasurer this past year and he will be the treasurer in 2024. 20, uh, so it runs so, in the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I really followed him quite a bit because he was a, he was the president of Columbus Realtors back in 2008. So we're going to be a kind of a brother duo that, uh-huh. that will be, you know, the first. Uh, we'll see what kind of who leaves a better legacy. <laughs> yeah. Here. I don't know, man. I just, he, he left the bar very, very high. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I do ask everybody this question when they come on. Um, and again, I don't tell anybody what that question is, but, uh, it gives, I want you to think about it. Maybe we can see a little different side of you. So if you had one talent, you could instantly learn that you don't have now. What do you think that would be? Wow. Yeah. Well, I love that answer. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, that's a great, (laughs) God, that's a real good question. Um, I don't know. I probably, I, I, sort of play a musical instrument i play the guitar a little bit if i could play a musical <laughs> instrument properly i would really enjoy that that so would you be just fun. like to go off on stage and rip and yeah, just, no uh, i would i don't do it i do it for scott i don't do it in front of anybody this is a scott thing i i it's i have this phobia man i just thought no i wouldn't do it in front of people but yeah, all right it's oh, for you realtors you remember that here, yeah huh? keep, so the, keep that on the, on the spot sometime yeah, keep that on the dl for me please uh-huh. yeah nobody will hear this don't you're worry. right uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I, I kind of uh, didn't end up where I wanted to on this last segment, but I do want to ask you about being in commercial. You're seeing a lot of vacant office buildings uh, because of, you know, COVID, the way people learned how to work at home and some of the businesses are affording themselves to do it. I don't see the vacancies here as bad as they are in some areas, but it is happening. What do you see happening with these buildings, with companies? Are they going to go back to it? Or are they... Are they adjusting to different types of spaces? Are they converting any of it? Have you seen any conversions yet? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, um, you know, d- during the pandemic, it was this great unknown, right? What are we going to do? And and I think that every business owner looked at their, you know, method of doing business and said, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what do we do next, right? Um, this idea of working from home, 
nobody really ever looked into that, right? And the and the it, at the scale, obviously, that we're working through it now, uh, but the pandemic um, created this need to understand how that could happen and what that could look like, right? So, um, in the commercial real estate space, if you are a you know an, an office building tenant or an owner. It became abundantly clear, you know, as we got toward the end of the pandemic that you didn't need everything that you had. You could probably do things a little bit differently. Right. But there were also a lot of companies that were in the middle of leases that couldn't just walk away. You know, they they kept their spaces with the idea that at some point people were going to come back. You know, you 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 build a company and you build a brand and you build your culture by being together is is at least the way many businesses have run in the way they, they feel like they need to continue to run their business. Uh, but it became abundantly clear that that wasn't going to be the case, that there was going to be opportunity for people to work in a, in a, in a hybrid fashion. And that would change the landscape for not just, you know, office buildings, but industrial buildings, you know, flex office, warehouse buildings, um, in the retail industry in some respect, but mostly in the office, you know, areas where you see it and adaptive reuse is, is, kind of a, a term you will hear for how do we repurpose some of these buildings? And you are seeing it happen downtown. I was just going to ask, and I don't want to go into this too deep because I got so many other questions to ask you, but I get people that are <clears throat> outside of the industry and they go by these big buildings, whether they're downtown, whether they're in the suburbs or whatever, and the parking lots are empty. And we're always whining about a housing shortage. Why can't you make those into condos or something like that tell me some of the challenge and i have john melke on here and he was telling us the challenges and the number one was plumbing and i said right. well, i didn't even think about that you got to yeah. actually put bathrooms right. in all these places what are some of the challenges that you have to converting a building you kind of yeah. touched on that a little bit yeah i think he he's absolutely right i think that's one of the many things that, that yeah. you have to look at right i mean i think when you look at some of the structures that were built and some of these things some of these buildings might have been built in the 70s, mm-hmm. right? In the 80s. I mean, they were built with a particular uh, engineering design that were, you know, that basically defined footprint and how the space could be used. Um, those buildings will, in many cases, cannot and will not be converted because it's just economically infeasible. It's just, it's just not feasible. And it's in, you know, there are a lot of people smarter than me that have looked at that, you know, equation and said, okay, what could we do differently? Well, in many cases, it almost requires taking the building down and starting from scratch, Um, you know, because you just the adaptive reuse is not there. Um, I think in in some cases like downtown, there are a few buildings that you're familiar with and that I'm familiar with where those conversions have taken place. Probably the most creative one was the Levesque Tower, what they did with Levesque. I mean, nice places. Amazing what they did. But that took a heavy lift. You know, Edwards Company, when they did that, that was a big, big deal. So. That that's a little bit of an anomaly, though. That that's just something that you're not going to see happen um, every day. So our, our biggest challenge becomes finding space, finding buildings that there is the economic will and the political will mm-hmm. to be able to go ahead and make those conversions happen. And if you, in case you're just joining us, I, we are here with Scott Rabcheck with Howard Hanna Commercial Division, as well as the incoming president of the Columbus. I got to get used to this Columbus Realtors Association. Uh, Brent's going to shoot me if I keep getting this wrong here. So um, I do want to do one more little thing with the commercial side, and then I want to ask you a little bit more about the, um, uh, you know, 
what you're involved with now as the uh, representative for Columbus on a national scale. Um, a little bit more on the commercial. Do you, you just came back from California and mm -hmm. I know you were there nationally there. Do you get a sense for how people see Columbus, Ohio as compared to Los Angeles, compared to New York, compared to Florida on a commercial basis or even residential, I guess? How are we viewed, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. That's that's a fair question. I don't know that I asked anybody anything, you know, quite <laughs> Did they as look at direct. you with a gleam in your eyes? You know, like, I, hey. I, I would say this. I think that they do understand that central Ohio, you know, it, it used to be, you know, Ohio was a, or central Ohio was a farm town. Well, it's not. It, it never really was. But it's um, it's something now that with the announcements like Intel and the data centers and things like that are happening there, the transportation hub, we are, you know, if, if you think about it, we're 24 hours away from 70% of the population in the United States. We are a transportation and a distribution hub. Um, the amount of uh, warehouse space and, and transportation space is just incredible. But, um no, I think it's it's one of those where, you know, we have a pretty stable marketplace. We don't have industry that that makes us move way up or way down. We kind of kind of flatline. You know, maybe we we move slow up. and steady. Slow and steady. Yeah, love right slow like and love. steady. Amen. Yep. You know, and and that helps us. You know, with the city uh, or the state government, but but also with uh, university medical. You know, our our medical um, footprint is is incredible. Um, that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, but at the end of the day, I think people look at us and go, man, I wish, wish we could be, cause we don't see that the, the high highs and the low lows. I mean, just keep, keep steady and you're, you're in a good spot. All right. Well, pivoting from that, I do want to talk about something that within our industry, it is a big deal. Uh, the public is just starting to get an idea of what's going on in the real estate industry. Cause there is a, there has been some class action lawsuits and one just got um, settled um, for the first part. I'm sure it's going to be appealed. If you could give me a, a reader's digest version, I guess, of what's going on with these lawsuits. Uh, if you can do that within a few minutes here. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be quick. So the Burnett case, as it's called, is a class action lawsuit that was filed in Missouri federal court uh, by a group of Missouri homeowners and or home sellers. Uh, NAR was named as a defendant in the case along with several corporate defendants. And the plaintiffs alleged that uh, there were violations of the Sherman uh, Antitrust Act. And essentially what that really says is, is that uh, NAR's cooperative compensation rule amounted to a conspiracy to fix commissions paid by home sellers. Uh, and what they meant by that was this rule inside of a multiple listing service required sellers to pay a buyer's broker a commission in the transaction process. Uh, well, in October, uh, on October 31st, and that's what you're talking about, um, a jury returned a verdict against NAR and a couple of corporate defendants in that case. Now, NAR has immediately um, you know, basically filed an appeal. Um, they believe that the outcome of that uh, verdict was not supported by the law, uh, or the facts presented in the case, and, and they are going to appeal it. And, and really, I, I think there's a couple things that I, that I look at. NAR stands behind uh, the benefits of cooperative compensation. You know, it, it Describe, I don't think the public knows what cooperative compensation means. Sure, that's that's a very fair question. So 
really what it means is is that um, you know inside the uh, NAR rule or inside many local uh, broker marketplaces, uh, it provides an opportunity for a seller to offer compensation to a buyer's agent inside the totality of a transaction. And what NAR has said is is that 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 um, brokerage can be any amount of money. It is, it, or any percentage of the overall transaction value. And up it can into, be zero, can Up it? into and including zero. It okay. is absolutely negotiable between a listing agent and the seller of that home. And it's incumbent upon the listing agent to define for that seller the reality of um, what that does to the marketability of their property and the opportunity to be able to bring in um, you know, opportunities or buyers, I should say, um, you know, that, that maybe they would otherwise not see, um, because properties that are inside of local broker marketplaces have an incredible audience of buyers and sellers for that matter, that can get an idea of, of where the market is, right. And what opportunities exist in the marketplace. So, you know, the cooperative compensation practices really make for what they call an efficient, transparent and accessible marketplace for buyers and for sellers. And it's, uh, it's something that NAR uh, is going to vigorously fight and, and believes that, um, like I said before, that based on the, the facts in the case that, uh, that they will win on appeal. One of the words I heard in there that I, I just can't imagine that a jury or somebody couldn't see this. And again, I won't go into the details that was transparency. I can't imagine that, Buyers and sellers weren't transparent about who's getting compensated, where and how. Uh, but that seems to be part of the gist of what's going on with it. And I don't know anybody who's, you know, I'm certainly transparent with numbers and things like that. But uh, this is kind of saying that we weren't, uh, I guess. So when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit more about this. And again, we can't get into too many details because... There's pending legislation as well, too. I don't want to get you in trouble either. No, no, you're good. So when we come back, um, we will talk a little bit more about that, and I'll also give you my tip of the week. Uh, And remember, if you know it's getting towards the end of the year, if you're thinking about buying or selling, have a conversation with me now to kind of get you some preparations for what you can do for the selling season. So we'll see you uh, after the break. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. 
Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. And again, I'm your host, Paul George, a 30-year-plus realtor um, who can give you some experiences based on my experiences, I guess to say. I'm with Scott Rabcheck. He is the uh, incoming president of the Columbus uh, Realtors Association, as well as a commercial realtor who's kind of in that fun position right now since commercial is kind of hopping right now. Before I get back to Scott, I do want to offer kind of a tip of the week. Um, this one's a little bit different. At the beginning of the show, I talked a little bit about two situations where I had talked to kids and parents and things like that. We are getting towards a time when it's getting colder out. You are seeing holidays and things like that where you're seeing uh, siblings and parents and things. This might be one of those times to broach that subject with mom or dad saying, how's the house serving your needs? Um, just have a conversation about it to kind of get them in the mode to make it easier for when they are ready to sell, whether it's this year, next year. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times there's something that physically happens to the parent where the house doesn't work for them. Or, um, you know, I have a client right now, we're getting ready to close, but they've been in their house 30 years and he just cannot do the leaves anymore. Um, there's just things like that that you should be able to have a conversation with them and, you know, be gentle about it because parents may be in the mode like the one lady who had been in her house for 60 years. Um, you need to be gentle and have them come to their own conclusion, meaning that, yeah, I know I need to do it kind of things. And I think you can guide them uh, as to having them come up with their own conclusion, like I say. Never, never, never tell them, Mom and Dad, you got to leave. <laughs> you just can't do it anymore. Uh, you, Like I said, they need to be the ones to saying, yeah, I think it's about time. Um, the other things that, you know, you might go down this subject of, you know, Mom, Dad, I can't keep coming over here twice a week to clean your gutters. I can't keep coming over here to do this and that. And they almost see it as, okay, I need to take care of my kids so they don't have to worry about me as much as they, you know, they have their own kids in their own life. So if you're having the holidays, um, you know, talk to them, let them talk to it, but maybe ask them some leading questions and maybe they can come up with their own answers. So anyway, I am back with Scott Rabcheck. And again, we started to talk a little bit about um, the realtor lawsuits and things like that. There is some other pending lawsuits because this was on a state basis. This only affected Missouri. Um, there's some other things coming on. Address those for me real quick, and then I wanted to go back to ask you a little bit more about the fun stuff, the commercial stuff hmm. that's going on around here. Yeah, so I, I guess what I would say is the the NAR um, verdict, at this point in time anyway, um, is one that is, as you said, is specific to Missouri. And to be clear, the verdict in the what they call the Burnett trial does not directly affect other pending cases. Um, you know, NAR is going to appeal or appeal, excuse me, the the Burnett verdict um, as it continues to address to address any of these other you know uh, pending litigations that that may come up. So. Hurry up and wait kind of thing. I it know is. these this, lawsuits take forever. Yeah, uh, this is going to take a long time. I mean, there's going to be briefs that will be filed in uh, 2024. Uh, those briefs will be reviewed by both sides. Um, I, I would imagine 
you know, it, it could be late 24 before anything is heard. And then even from that, I'm not really sure where it goes. Um, it's, it's just an interesting process. The nice thing about our industry is that we see things and we adjust, we adapt. We did it during COVID. We did it during the housing crisis 10 years ago when mm-hmm. we had the situation with banks. And I know we'll pivot pretty quick when it comes to something like this. And it's already started. And one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning is we need to do a better job of showing our value as to what we provide for people. And a lot of people take it for granted. Um, Like I said, I am a big fan of the training, the education, the things that the Columbus uh, Association now provides. And I think that's only going to intensify as we, you know, focus on these kind of things. They're just going to start going back and saying that, Okay, well, we've had this class, we've had this class, uh, we've had this training, and I think we're going to be much better for it, no matter what happens. Um, And I think the public's going to be better for it. They're just going to be more understanding of what's going on. Um, Going back to your commercial hat, um, you know, like I said, the big thing is Intel, and I don't know if you've sold any land or any buildings Mm -hmm. or anything out there. Five years ago, what was an acre of land going for as compared to what it is going for now? Yeah, that's, a, and you yeah. don't have to be specific. I mean, right. give me just the scale of how much that's increased, what yeah. percentage or things. I mean, I think if you're, it, I have sold real estate out there, land, buildings. Uh, matter of fact, I'm working on a on a transaction now in, in Johnstown on a building that is uh, a manufacturing facility that we're, we're selling as an investment property. And, you know, what, I, what I've seen is, is that, you know, the land that transferred, you know, five years ago, you know, or more, the transfers were very quiet, right? They were happening, yeah. but you didn't know. You really didn't know the the breadth and the depth of the announcements that were about to happen. But but you know, there's there's this. Um, I think, for lack of a better term, this underswell of information that that neighbors talk, people talk, right? Yeah. They want to know what's what's going on, who's doing what, and you know, what might have been property that would sell for tens of thousands an acre is now selling for hundreds of thousands per acre. Right. And, you know, you're seeing some of these transfers and your head just shakes. You go, how could that be? Right. But, um, the reality is, is the, the magnitude of what's going to happen there is, is going to be generational in nature. It is, this is, this is, it's transformational, but it's generational. And the people that are doing these transactions out there now understand that this is something that's going to take 10, 20, 30 years to really fully, fully play itself out. And, and that's just the truth. And some of the owners and people who've lived there for generations still are, it's going to be a process to get their mindset as to what's coming because of, like it or not, it's coming. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we're getting smart enough to being able to plan for it with infrastructure, with uh, education, with, um, you know, just things that people are, hey, not in my backyard, but it's coming. So you better learn how to adjust to it and adapt to it. Right. So, Scott, here we go again. Real quick, how can people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? So, uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me through Columbus Realtors is, you know, obviously at the Realtors office or you dial me direct. Um, okay. Scott Rabchak at HannahCRE.com. All right. We'll see you next week. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. 
opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com.